Well, it is a special Sunday at Radiant Church because this is the finale of our Roman series. Have y'all loved the Roman series? I mean, it's just been a time to go deep in God's word. And um, I love the, the heart of our church and the desire of our church to find out exactly God's way over culture's way and what does God desire. And so um, we, we, we've been saying it from the very beginning. Um, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome. I said, Rome is the opposite Las Vegas because Las Vegas, the phrase is whatever happens in Vegas. Oh, you need to help me out today, church. Whatever happens in Vegas, what? Stays in Vegas. Very good. But by the way, that ain't true. So just so if you ever believe that lie, that ain't true. Um, but what Paul did is he wrote a letter to the church at Rome, knowing that it would go all over the rest of the world. So many people call it the gospel according to Paul because it's so deep with theology. It explains uh, sin, it explains grace, it explains the sacrifice of Jesus. And it's such a, a message for us to live off of. So we've been doing it week after week after week. And I, I'm proud of you guys staying um, involved. I'm proud of you guys taking notes. Um, it's our longest running series ever at our church. And if you missed any of the weeks, I want you to check them out. Uh, I've given you 13 I am statements so far. Here's the first one is that I am unashamed of the gospel. Then we went week two, I am done with excuses. Week three was I'm living by faith. Week four, we said I am made righteous. Then we went into I am suffering for a purpose. I am dead to sin. I am led by the Spirit. I am more than a conqueror. I am living on mission. I am a worshiper. I am a vital part of the body of Christ. I am a peacemaker, and I am leaving a legacy. Those are your first 13 weeks, and I'm sure you got a lot out of that, but if you missed any of them, you check it out on YouTube. That would be awesome. Share them with your friends. We are in chapter 15 today to close this whole series out. And chapter 15 is kind of the final words from Paul to the church. Now, there's actually six, 16 chapters because the 16th chapter is like the credits. So he gives like all the shout outs to his friends. Um, it's very interesting. You can go and research each of those people and how the Lord used them to change the world. And so he gives kind of the shout outs. He actually does like kind of a Marvel movie thing because he gives all the shout outs. And then after the credits, there's a little bit of a challenge. So we'll get to that too by the end of this message. But, but we're going to be in chapter 15. And this is really something I'm overly passionate about because it's a value I've applied to my life that I want to teach you today that no matter what season you're in, no matter your agency stage, this is something that is crucial to your life. It's Paul's like last challenge to the church. And I think it's such a substantial challenge for your life that you need to understand it and we need to apply it. We'll get real practical. We're in chapter 15. We're going to look at verse four. Look what he says. For everything that was written in the past. He's talking about all of the old scriptures, all of the old Testament, but he's also talking about all of the chapters we just mentioned right before. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have, can you shout that word out loud, what? Hope. Hope, very good. And may the God who gives endurance and encouragement, you see he uses words twice, endurance, encouragement, endurance, encouragement. May the God who gives them give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us a challenge in this passage that is a challenge for you to live your life off of. It's your 14th I am statement. It's the final I am statement of this series. So I want you to take out your notes. We're a note-taking church. We print thousands of these every single week for you to take home. And I think it'll encourage you because I want to talk to you today of this statement saying, I am finishing strong. I am finishing strong. You see, in our world today, we celebrate 
so much of, of the new beginnings, the new year. We're big New Year's resolution people. I, and I want you to think back at some of maybe your New Year's resolutions at the beginning of this year. Some of y'all, you were like, I'm going to walk 10,000 steps a day. And you hadn't walked 10,000 steps this entire year. You're like, this is my year. I'm losing 20 pounds, 20 pounds. This is my year losing 20 pounds. You're only 30 pounds to go now. Come on, somebody. You're getting there. You're like, I'm going to eat kale only this year. This is my year. It lasted about two hours, and then you're in the Krispy Kreme drive-thru. We, we have these big intentions. My wife, she was going to give up cussing this year. She really wanted to. No, she didn't. That's not true. That's not true at all. <laughs> that's funny right there. Y'all know, Katie, that's the furthest from the truth. But um, we all have these desires, and we, start out, we want to start out a year so well. But here's what I really believe. Write it on your notes. Our world celebrates starting. But God, he celebrates finishing. And I want you to get that. God celebrates finishing. And we have to stay focused as a church to understand this is what really matters. This is where, what we're going for in our world today, that we want to finish well. We want to finish the season we're in well. We want to finish the, whatever the, the job we're in well. We want to finish the assignment well. We are called to finish well, Ecclesiastes says it this way, the end of the matter is better than its beginning. And I think that's the way we should live our life as Christians. When we get done with something, it should always be better than when we started it. Every time. Like we, we get done with the job, it's better. We leave the company, it's better because we were involved in it. You, you, you move away, the church is better because you were connected. Why? Because the end of the matter should be better than the beginning because we finish things strong. We finish them strong. You see, there's three options for finishing. Write it down. The first one is just not finishing. <laughs> then the other one is finishing bad. And then the third option, which I wanna to talk to you about today, is finishing strong. And I wanna help you with this to realize that you have a decision to make in every transition of life of how you're gonna finish. So let's talk about not finishing. First of all, that's just the idea of quitting. And I look back on my life and I see all the moments where I quit early, where I stopped because it got tough. And I want you to think about what would it be like if you wouldn't have quit? What would it be like if you wouldn't have stopped that Bible reading plan that you started in January? What would it have been like if you would have completed foundations instead of backing out at it? What would it have been like if you would have stayed connected instead of got disconnected? What would it have been like if you would have stayed on the diet and not cheated right through it? What would life be like now if you wouldn't have quit? It reminds me of my brother. He uh, is so great. He met his wife here at Radiant. They have two amazing kids. Um, but I remind him often of this story because it was, you know, probably 15 or so years ago where I remember him calling me and said, Aaron, I just bought these things. I brought these 12 coins called Bitcoin. And I said, oh, I want to I I go see them. He's like, oh, you can't see them. They're like out there. <laughs> and I was like, what does that even mean? And, and I said, well, how much was these coins? He's like, oh, it's $271 a coin. And I remember sitting there, I'm like, somebody sold you these coins at $271 a coin. I want to meet the salesman that sold you. You got ripped off. He's like, no, 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 it's a thing. I promise you it's a thing. So it was a few months later, um, it surged. And he, he called me. He's like, Aaron, this thing has doubled. I sold my Bitcoin. And I, I sold it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you need to cash that thing so quick. Like, get out of there. You, you somehow made it out of the scam. Well, that was 15 years ago. So then April of 2021, Bitcoin surged to $65,000 a coin. 
$65,000 a coin. So I did what every brother do, would do. I screenshotted that, that and sent it to him. I, I just all the time, hey, new record high today. How's, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? One day I just sent him the number. It was a dollar sign and $780,000. And he's like, what is that? I said, that's what your coins would be worth today if you would have kept them. <laughs> Is there something about the fact that you're not reaping the benefits in your life because you cashed out early? Can I encourage you as a Christian? Stay connected, stay disciplined. Here's what discipline is. I want you to get this. Discipline is the ability to stay committed to your assignment long after the feelings of excitement have left. And so many people are like, I just don't feel it right now. I don't feel like being a part of it right now. I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like staying connected. Who cares how you feel? If you feel your way into it, you'll feel your way out of it. But we didn't feel our way into this thing. We made a faith step into this thing to say we're going to stay committed. Even if it hurts, even if it's tough, we're staying committed. Because we're not going to end this thing early. That's why Paul wrote it this way. He says, therefore, my brothers he says, and sisters, come on, somebody, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Like I'm not in one season and out the next season. I'm not, I feel it this time, I'm out the next time. No, I'm always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor, it's not in vain. So you might not see the reward, but I want you to know this. If you don't quit, you will reap the reward. You just got to stay committed beyond your feelings and continue to stay focused on what God has called you to do. Can I hear a better amen today, church? So, so, so there's not finishing. So that's some people, they quit early. But then there's this one. And this is my, one of my biggest pet peeves, ready? It's finishing bad. And finishing bad is an issue because here's my, it's a firm belief and it's something I live by, is that how you finish one season determines how you're gonna enter the next. That's so good. So how you finish really matters. So let me talk to some of you guys that are, some of you millennials and Gen Z and you're, you're just getting into the workforce. So let me help you with this, all right? Because this idea that, man, when I leave this place, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. I'm gonna throw the bombs on the way out today. And I, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, man, I'm gonna leave this place. I'm gonna write them all a letter, tell them what I really think. Or, or, or I've put in my 30-day notice, I ain't doing anything for the next 30 days because I'm basically gone anyway. And you wonder why God's not gonna bless your next season. Because how you exit one place determines how you're going to enter the next. The, 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 the principle of sowing and reaping is so crucial in our life. So that's why we want to leave every season honorably. We want to leave it correct so that we can enter the next season poised and positioned for God's favor and blessing. So that's why I, I'm adamant. Anytime I'm transitioning, anytime I'm going to the next season, I'm going to make it a point to finish this season really, really well. I was a youth pastor for six years, and uh, I knew my last year, the Lord told me in January of that year during a season of prayer and fasting, he said, this is going to be your last year's youth pastor. So I had two options. I could put it on cruise control and think, what's next, what's next, what's next? Or I could live by this principle. And I remember committing to the Lord on the floor of that church during a prayer meeting. I said, Lord, if this is my last year, it'll be my best year. Amen. It'll be my most effective year. I'm going to leave it all on the field. I'm going to do everything I can do because Christians don't sell out early and don't sell out bad. We give it all that we have. We end well. 
And we're going to make it the point that this is how we're going to live our life. I remember it was about six months ago. I was greeting people on the way out and just uh, meeting people. And, and a lady came up to me and, and I said, well, how long have you been coming to the church? And she said, oh, this is a couple weeks. And I really like your church. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, I like your church because it's so much better than, and then she said the church's name. And I, I, was, I was a little pushed back because anytime anybody mentions another church, especially in our community, I always respond with, and I love that church. I love that pastor. So I said, I said oh, I said, I said, I love that church. They're, they're friends of mine. Oh, well, I wouldn't be friends with them. Let me tell you what they did to me. And then she starts going, they did this and they did this. And, you know, they didn't call me back. They didn't hit blah, blah, blah. And she started just, just word vomiting, just all in the lobby. And I remember sitting there going, oh, man, there's a lot to take in at this moment. So... <laughs> I said, well, I'm sorry about that. I hope you have a good experience. And I remember walking away, and, and it was my flesh, and I shouldn't have thought it to myself even, but I remember walking away going, it's only a matter of time before she leaves. Because if she's going to enter this toxic, she's going to stay toxic, and she'll eventually leave. That's why I want to make sure I always enter. If I'm in a transition, I'm going to do it honorably. If the relationship's going to end, I'm going to do it with honor. If, if I'm going to change jobs, I'm going to do it honorably. And by the way, I'm going to live my life that the, the, the last days of it are the best days of it because I'm ending this thing strong. Can I hear a good amen today, church? So I'm not going to end bad. I'm not going to end early. So how do we finish strong. Let me give you the things from this passage. Paul outlines four things, and I think they're crucial things, and this should be a life message for somebody. So somebody, you need to listen to this two months from now, three months from now, and go back to it, because you'll be tempted to throw in the towel, and you go, no, how do I finish strong? How do I finish strong? Four things. Here's the first one. Ready? For everything, look how he says, for everything that was written was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have, shout it out loud, what? Oh. Hope. Right, number one, write it down your notes. How do we finish strong? We finish strong by the way we find endurance and encouragement in the scriptures. That's straight out of what Paul told us to do. You want to finish this thing well? Stay in God's word. Make it a habit of your life. I know you've heard this a lot throughout the series because I keep pushing it over and over and over again, but you can't sustain this thing without making a habit of God's word. You've got to make it part of your word. Listen, if you make it about a feeling you had in a service or some moment you had in worship or some friend that you've got that's bringing you to church, that will let you down. But God's word will never let us down. We build our lives on it. Can I hear a better amen today, church? So we read it and we read it often and we read it daily. And why? The Bible says, here's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get endurance and encouragement. Endurance and encouragement. Every time I read it, I'm getting encouragement and endurance. And in this, here's what he says you're gonna find. You're gonna get, here's the word, hope. And here's what hope is, write it down. Hope is anticipation of what God is going to do. So we walk in hope. We always are excited about the future. Now, 2022 has been a great year, but I'm telling you, I'm so pumped and amped about 2023 because I'm just a firm believer. God brings us from glory to glory to glory. So even if tough times come, I know it's gonna be awesome because I have hope because in the scriptures, I can look at it and I can get endurance and encouragement. Let me talk about the encouragement one for a little bit. The encouragement one's so awesome because what you see in the scriptures should be a testimony for you to go, if God did it to them, Come on. he could do it to me. Yes. I was reading the other day in uh, the story of Jonah. It was through our Bible reading plan. We read through the Bible in a year. Yep. 
And Jonah uh, is the guy who God told him to go to Nineveh. He ran the opposite direction. He was followed by a fish. Well, I don't want that to happen to me. But then the Bible goes on. You might not know the rest of the story. Then he goes to, to Nineveh. And when he goes to Nineveh, he preaches. And the Bible says the entire city came to know God. And I read it and I was blown away. And it was 120,000 people. So I read it and I was stirred and I was encouraged inside of me. And I go, oh God, if you use Jonah to save 120,000 people, maybe, just maybe God can use me to see a whole region saved also. If God did it through them, why can't he do it for me? And you have to look at all the scriptures that way. You look at Esther, who's an ordinary girl who God promoted in front of the government so that she could save a nation. If God could use Esther, he can use your life. You have to be encouraged in this. I look at this. I, I, I was so encouraged. I looked at the story of David. Y'all know David? Shepherd boy who God used to kill Goliath. And then he became king over all of Israel. And I looked at his life and I was encouraged. And then I remembered about David. That David had a son who ended up taking over the kingdom. And the son's name was Solomon. And Solomon, the Bible says, was the wisest and richest person that ever lived. And I started getting encouraged going, God, could you make my children? <laughs> and if you know my kids, you know that would be a miracle, right? I said, God, get it. Let them be wealthier than I've ever been in my life. Do it. If you've done it for them, you can do it for us. I, I, it was in Katie's Bible reading plan. We're all reading through the book of John for, for Christmas. And it's so awesome. And we were, I was reading about the multiplication of food. And then I went to Publix. And have you seen what inflation has done to your food? And I went home and I said, Katie, we can't, we can't buy anything else. I just started laying hands on the bread. Come on, to God be the glory. <laughs> Multiplied in Jesus' name. We should always be stirred when we read the scriptures to say, God, if you did it then, you can do it for me. If you gave a miracle then, you can give a miracle to me. If you gave them a breakthrough, I can get a breakthrough. I'm believing and I'm encouraged that God still does miracles today. Can I hear an amen today, church? You don't just get encouragement, you also get endurance. Endurance means this, is that I'm going to keep waiting and keep doing what I'm supposed to do, even if it's tough. And I see that in the scriptures, because everything that God promised people always took longer than they wanted it to take. I want you to hear that. There wasn't anybody in the scriptures that God promised it, and immediately, poof, it appeared. So if you feel like you're waiting, you're in good company. Because that's the heroes of our faith. Noah, who was promised the rain would come, the earth was going to be wiped out, and Noah started building an ark. It took 100 years for that to happen. You think you're waiting? You ain't waited 100 years. Abraham was promised a son. By the time he promised a son until he got a son was 25 years. 25 years of claiming the promises of God. And it still, it just took, it takes a long time. Joseph he was said, you will be the, you'll be over all of Egypt. And from, that, from the moment he had the vision to the moment he was second in command was 13 years. It just takes a long time. David, who was anointed the king over Israel, when David was anointed, it was 17 years before David was anointed till he actually became the king. And if you think that's a long time, by the way, Jesus himself, born of a virgin, God in the flesh, did not come out just going, time to do miracles and to teach. He waited 30 years. Why? Because waiting is part of the process with God. 
And so you read scriptures like that and you go, I'm waiting. And you know what? I'm waiting, but I'm not waiting on some person that's going to fail me. I'm waiting knowing that while I'm waiting, God's working. And while I'm waiting, God's putting together things. While I'm waiting, God's making it perfect behind the scenes. I'm waiting and God is working. And I'm going to be encouraged to the fact that God is doing it behind the scenes. Can I hear an amen today, church? Let me give you this scripture. This is such a great one. Look at it. It says Psalm 1. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But here's who they are. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, meaning the Bible, and who meditates on this law, on God's word, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield his fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do does what? It prospers. And I want your life to prosper, but it, it won't prosper until you get in God's word. That's why we go through God's word every year. I've been doing this since I was 16 years old. Realistically, I've probably gone through God's word 15 plus times. And I've tried to make it a daily habit for my life. So I'm announcing to y'all today what our Bible reading plan is for next year. So I want you to take out your phones because here's what it is. We're going to the Bible in a year chronologically in 2023. So chronologically is different than the way your Bible's set up. Because your Bible's set up with 66 books, but those 66 books are not in chronological or in the events that it happened in order. So what we're doing is there's a whole Bible reading plan that puts them in a, the order that it actually happens on a timeline. And it's a beautiful way of reading the scripture. I've done it, I think, three or four times. And it's one of my favorites. So we're going to start this on January 1st. So you take a note. You got it because I want the Bible to get in you daily. Why? Because you will get endurance and encouragement through the scriptures. Are y'all with me? Say yes. Amen. Here's why. I want you to write down because remembering God's faithfulness in the past, it builds our faith to expect his faithfulness in the future. And he is no respecter of persons. If he did it for them, he can do it for you. If he blessed them, he can bless you. If he used them, he can use you. And if he loves them, he loves you. Amen. Amen. Verse five, look at this next verse. It says, and may the God who gives endurance and encouragement. I thought scriptures gave us endurance and encouragement. He's putting another layer on top of it now. He says, now God will give you this. How do we get this? Number two, we finish strong by making prayer a priority. Making prayer a priority. He's saying, listen, you're gonna get stuff from the scriptures, but you also have to understand that your power source as a Christian is in God's word. And it's in those moments of prayer. That you're connected with him. Why? Because where does endurance and encouragement come? It comes from God himself. Amen. And prayer connects you to God's power in your life. So if you feel weak, it's probably because your prayer times are weak. If you feel exhausted, it's probably because you're not sitting that time in prayer. Because prayer is our ultimate refueling station. It's your gas station. You, 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 you plug in in prayer and then you walk out charged up, ready to take the gospel, ready to make a difference, ready to be a better husband, a better spouse, a better father. I think prayer is the difference in your life of you walking in your power versus walking in God's power in your life. So how do we get endurance and encouragement? How do we stay strong? We continue to pray. S.D. Gordon said it this way, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. So I'm all about hustle and the grind and get stuff done. But let's be real. None of it matters unless we live a life of prayer first. So that's, that's why we have our little pray first bands. I know they're giving them out at campuses or you can get them out the orange tent. But, but on January 8th, we're going to have a whole series just on prayer. Because I believe a church that is powerful is a church that prays. Amen. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Yes. It's powerful. 
When you pray, it's powerful. So we gotta get connected with the Lord in prayer. So how do we do this as a church? We actually launched the year off with a season of prayer and fasting. Maybe you've never done this before, but I think this is the reason God's blessed our church so much. So let me give you the date right now because it doesn't start January 1st, it starts January the 8th. So when you come that Sunday, you are ready to go to start our fast. And we're gonna fast that whole next week and we're gonna be gathered together at 6 a.m. for prayer. And you're gonna launch this year off well. And you're gonna do it well, why? Because you're gonna make prayer a priority in your life. And I'm gonna teach you how to pray. Because some of y'all pray, go to your moments of prayer, pray everything you've done to pray, and you know to pray, and it's been 27 seconds, and you don't know what to do the rest of the time. So I'm gonna help you in the new year, because prayer is the difference yeah. of you relying on your power versus relying on God's power. I, it's, I, I heard this quote, it says, when we pray regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. <laughs> So we got, we got to make prayer. How, how are we experiencing miracles in our church like we're experiencing and breakthrough in people's marriages? And how are we experiencing? Because prayer is a regular part of what we do. So make it a regular part of your life. That's where you're going to find the strength to go through whatever you're going through in your life. Verse five, let's keep going. Look at the third thing. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we finish strong? Here's number three, ready? We get along with each other. Because there's nothing that'll steal your joy and your excitement than drama will. And I've seen more people taken out in their walk with God and not finishing well because of drama. And especially, can I just call it out? Drama within the church. Now, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of how unified our church is, but I've seen the casualties throughout, through the year. And, and we, we've got to learn how to do this thing better when it comes to get along with each other. Because here's what I really believe. If the enemy can't destroy us, he'll just divide us. And the way he divides us is he gets us to take these, in, these weapons that God has given us to advance God's kingdom and we turn those weapons, and instead of facing them at our enemy called the devil, we, face, we bring them to our enemy now. This is their brother and sister in Christ. And we start firing at them, and we're attacking them, and we're attacking the wrong enemy. And you wonder why you're exhausted and burned out, and you've gone through eight churches in eight years. You know why? Because you don't know how to get along with anybody. I, I thought this is interesting. I don't quote the message translation too much because uh, it's not really a translation. It's like a paraphrase. But I love how Eugene Peterson says it in chapter 15, verse five. Look how he says it. He says, may our dependably steady and warmly personal God, look what he says, develop maturity in you so that you can get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us. That's what he says. He says, this is what God's doing. Here's how you sustain this thing. You get spiritually mature. So if I asked 50 Christians, hey, what, what does it mean to be spiritually mature? You get 50 different answers. Oh, you read your Bible a lot. You pray a lot. Man, that person's spiritually mature. They, they speak in tongues. Or they, they lead a small group. or they, they, they serve on the dream team. Man, they're spiritually mature. They've been doing this thing a long time. They must be mature. I want you to know, none of those are the answers based off of Romans 15. So what is the answer? Here's what Christian maturity is. Write it on your notes. Christian maturity is getting along with others as well as Jesus gets along with us. And it's a shame to me that there's so many Christians out there that have been following God for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years that should be highly effective in the kingdom of God, but they're not effective because they just can't get along with people. They just can't get along with people. And they over-spiritualize it. It's like, well, the enemy is attacking me. 
I don't know if he's attacking you or you're just mean. <laughs> spiritual warfare. No, it's not spiritual warfare. It's just you're not self-aware. And you, you just, you're awkward in every room you're in. Like it's drama, 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 drama. And you're like, I just don't understand it. Every place I go, there's this conflict. I'm like, you're the common denominator. So what do, we, what do we do? We gotta make it a point that as Christians, we're gonna get along with each other. We're gonna have like grown up conversations and, and confront things in a biblical way. And we're gonna love each other and give you a little benefit of the doubt. Can this be our year that we stop taking these weapons and focusing it on each other and take these weapons and focus it on an enemy that we are called to advance the kingdom of God and see him run out of Tampa Bay and see God's glory advance in this community. So I made my motto, okay? It's like, it's like, this is not really my motto, but this is kind of what I'm living by. This is what I'm declaring over my life in 2023. You can put anything in here, but here's the phrase, ready? My, my motto for 2023 is I'm drama free in 2023. Come on, somebody. I'm just drama free in 2023. You hear my feelings? It's rolling off my back. I'm, I'm drama free. You know why? Because I got a devil to kill and I got a kingdom of God to advance and I don't have time to get in all of this drama. I'm, I'm gonna stay focused on what God's called us to do because I'm gonna finish this thing strong. Are y'all with me today, church? Here's the last one. Ready? May the God of peace, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Look at this verse six. This is what he tells us to do. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we finish strong? Number four, we stay focused on Jesus. You got to get your eyes on him. Because you'll quit this thing if your eyes are on all the things of this world. You'll quit this thing if your eyes are on every different way that things could go wrong. But I want to challenge you even as we end this year. Get your eyes back on him. Get focused. Look what he said. He says, may we glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let that be our aim. Let that be our focus. Can I remind you that the goal of life is not stuff. It's not your 401k. It's not even your kids doing well. The goal in life is Jesus. He is the treasure that was hidden in the field. He is the pearl of great price. He is the reward that we are going for. So I know everybody's scattered on their own things. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews says it this way. We're fixing our eyes. It's an intentional decision. I'm going to focus on him. On Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And what did Jesus do? Now he gives us the example. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I'm glad Jesus didn't finish early this thing. I'm glad he didn't throw in the towel. I'm glad he didn't finish bad. No, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And now he has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. You know what that shows us? Jesus finished strong. And he says, so fix your eyes on him. Here's what I really believe. Ready? Last fill in the blank. If you look at him, you'll act like him. <laughs> but if you look like the world, look at the world, and you're focused on other problems, you're going to replicate whatever your eyes are focused on. So get him on Jesus. Get him on Jesus. As we, as we close out this year, get it back on Jesus. Stay focused on him. I'm reminded of uh, my my kids, I, I have some goals, like dad goals. One of my dad goals was to teach all of my kids how to swim. I am five for five. They've all learned it. And a lot of stress, but I taught them how to swim. One of my dad goals is to um, 
teach all my kids how to ride a bike. So that one stresses me out. It's not easy. So I've done really good with a few of them. Um, and one of them that was the worst, the most difficult, was my second daughter, Annabelle. And she is so sweet and so awesome. But she could not get the hang of the bike thing. It just, it was, it was months of us going out there in the driveway. And I, you know the way to do it. And you're holding on the back of there and they're pedaling, pedaling. And then I would let go. And she was so fearful of falling. Her eyes were always on whatever she's gonna fall. And literally I'd let go and she'd just fall right to the ground. And there's blood everywhere. And I get back on that bike. We're yelling at each other. It's not my proudest dad moment, okay? So I started Googling, like, what do I do to fix this thing? And they're like, go to counseling. No, that wasn't the thing. <laughs> like, what, what do I do? And one guy gave the, the suggestion. He says, the issue is that their head is down and they're focused on all the things that could go wrong. So what you do is you get in front of them and instead of pushing the bike, you pull the bike. And as you pull the bike, you let them go. And eventually you're constantly telling them, look up, look up, look up. And as they look at you, eventually it catches on. And now they're not chasing after what could go wrong. They're chasing after you. And he gave me this description and I tried it and it worked. And her eyes were up and I kept saying, Annabelle, look at me, look at me, look at me. Stop focusing on falling and focus on your father. Stop focusing on falling, focus on your father. Stop focusing on falling, focus on your father. And as she got her eyes up, she was able to accomplish it. Let me encourage some people in here today. Stop focusing on falling. Focus on your father. Get your eyes on him. Can we stand on our feet across Tampa Bay right now and just have a moment right now? I know this year has distracted you. I know this year has pulled your attention. I know the struggles you're going through are real, but get your eyes up. Focus on your father. We look to you, God. We put our attention on you. Come on, if you're comfortable, stretch the hand out to heaven right now. Say, God, I reach out to you. You're the one who will sustain me. You're the one who gives me endurance and encouragement. Help me to finish strong what you have called me to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's sing it, church. everything they do strong for your honor and your glory not just the things and the task on this earth but also their life one day one day at the very end of this thing that they would finish well and finish strong give us that power and that grace with every eye closed there's one more group and you don't have a relationship with Christ I want you to know you can 
this is your day of salvation. And if that's you, on the count of three, I'm gonna have you respond by saying, you know what? I wanna finish strong because I'm gonna start strong. I'm gonna make it my point. This is my day to give my life to Christ. And you might've had years and decades of mistakes. That's why we come to Jesus. And he'll forgive us and give us a fresh start. If that's you on the count of three, throw that hand up. Ready, one, two, three, right now. Come on, throw those hands up. Thank you, thank you. Come on, wave it at me in the back. Thank you, thank you. Thank you to all of our campuses right now. Just wave that hand at me right there. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it loud, dear Jesus. Today, I give you my life. Forgive my sin. Give me a fresh start. Become my Lord and my Savior. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate God and what he's done? Amen. Before our location pastors come, Paul closes out Romans 16 with like a benediction, a, 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 a celebration, a challenge. And I think it would be great to pray it over your life. I, I always like to have these moments where I kind of receive from God. So maybe if you're comfortable, just receive it this way. And I'm going to read it out. Now to him, talking about our Jesus, who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles at Radiant Church might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we give up some praise today, church?